What's up, party people? It's Liz Haftel here with our first full-length episode of Clumsy and Confused. Welcome, everybody. So happy to have all of you here. So it is our first official week of the podcast, and I am excited to share with you a topic that I needed to refresh my memory on for sure, and it's completely, completely pertinent to everything that we're hearing about in the news every day, all of these like social media posts that we see, politics, politics, politics. It's all everyone is talking about these days, huh? So today, um, I am going to explain to you the process of the election and the electoral college. And, you know, it's important. We all need to understand this because, as we all know, the election is important this year for a lot of reasons, political issues, social issues, all of the above. And, you know, 2020 the craziest year ever, also an election year. Um, And so, you know, everyone should register to vote. A lot of people don't vote because they don't think that their vote counts, their opinion matters. But, um, you know, every vote does count. And I highly, highly, highly encourage everyone to register to vote and to vote on election day or before election day if you want to do a mail-in ballot. But just check what's going on um, in your area to decide what the best option is for you. Okay, so let's talk about how the election in the United States works, and let's get all of these facts straight. So, first thing that we should probably discuss is, how does somebody become president? How do they decide that they're going to run for president? First of all, all the credit to anyone who wants to be president President, like, I I don't know. It doesn't sound like a job that I want, but, you know, props to anyone who wants to do it. Um, So essentially, in order to become president, um, anyone can do it as long as you fulfill a very specific um, three criteria. So the if you want to run for president, you must be a natural-born citizen of the United States. You have to be at least 35 years old. And you have to have been a resident of the United States for 14 years. So, like, if you were born in the United States and then left um, and then came back, you had to have lived in the United States for 14 years. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess that those are some important things um, that we should, you know, look for in our president. So if you fulfill those three criteria, anyone who meets those requirements can declare their candidacy for president. And, you know, once a candidate raises or spends more than $5,000 on their campaign, they have to register with the Federal Election Commission. Um, And so with the Federal Election Commission, these are the people who are making sure that people are raising money ethically and not doing crazy crap with their money. They're not getting money from people and like buying cars or whatever. They're actually utilizing the money that they raise for their presidential campaign for presidential things. They're not just, you know, raising money and and taking people's money. I mean, I'm sure people have tried to do that. Um, But in order to, you know, put your name on any sort of ballot, um, these are the, you need to register with that FEC, the Federal Election Commission. So 
Um, three basic methods by which an individual may become a candidate for president. So firstly, the one that we recognize the most is that an individual can seek the nomination of a political party. So so we think Democrats and Republicans, right? But we also think about the Libertarian Party and the Green Party. So each of these political parties undergoes their own caucuses, their own primaries to decide which candidate each of these political parties is going to support in the final election. And then there's national conventions um, that take place. You know, Democratic National Convention is going on right now as I speak. I am getting a lot of uh, text messages and emails about the Democratic National Convention. Um, so the national conventions take place to announce who will be representing the party in the final election. So if you don't want to be affiliated with any sort of political party, you could also choose to run as an independent. So independent presidential candidates typically have to petition um, with each state in order to have their names printed on the general election ballot, but they do not have to um, you know, list any sort of political party next to their name on the ballot. And then the third way is an individual is uh, an individual can be a write-in candidate. So yeah, you can run as a write-in, but in order to actually be considered and have those votes count as a write-in, technically you have to fill out paperwork, of course. Like I just remember growing up when my mom didn't like any of the candidates on the ballot, she always wrote my dad's name in, which like, yeah, that's fine. Like she didn't I don't, I don't know. Uh, she always just told me she wrote my dad's name in whenever she couldn't think of who she wanted to vote for. Um, but, you know, Chris Haftel could not technically win because he didn't file the paperwork to have those votes actually count. So, yeah, everyone's like, oh, we can, you know, start a huge writing campaign for a candidate. But those votes... Um, in order to count, they need to file paperwork to have have those count. So, you know, someone cannot be elected or, or written in for something unless, you know, they filed for the fact that they want that position. You can't just, like, randomly write someone in and, like, they win without knowing. So... There are specific requirements for each state so that the candidate can appear on that individual state's ballot. So you have to apply um, for each state, whether you're an independent, whether you're for a political party, or I guess for a write-in. Um, each state either requires a certain number of signatures for you to get to get on the ballot, or you have to raise money, which is usually the case. You know, money runs the world. So, um, you know, each candidate has to pay each individual state a certain amount of money or submit those signatures to get on that state's ballot. And this is why we hear about people making the ballot for certain states, aka Kanye getting on the North Carolina ballot or something like that. Um, he filed in time to get on North Carolina, but not all the other ballots. And you honestly can't win an election unless you get on the ballot for every state. So there's not really any, you know, any point in getting on the ballot for certain states and not for others because you're you're not going to win. It's just a waste of your time and your money. So overall, first step, got to get on the ballot via those methods that I just listed. All right, so now we know how you get on a ballot. How does somebody actually win an election in the United States? So let's start talking about the Electoral College because I'm going to be honest, I am confused. Huh? I'm confused. Um, 
I always assumed that the Electoral College was the Senate and the House of Representatives put together, but that's Congress. <laughs> so, oops. Um, so, you know, the numbers of the representatives in the Electoral College are, you know, equal to the number of Congress members, but it's not the same exact thing. Okay. It's a whole different thing. The Electoral College is so much more. Holy smokes. Let's do the Electoral College. So the Electoral College was established by the Constitution. Um, we know that the Constitution was written in 1787 and was in operation by 1789. Um, the Constitution has been amended 20 seven times since then, but nothing regarding the, the, um, section about the electoral college has been amended. So specifically in case anyone's a numbers person, article two, section one of the constitution talks about the electoral college. I'm sure everyone is really worried about which article and section it was, but anyways. Um, so why was the electoral college created? It was created because of, you know, compromise. So, we are the people who were writing the constitution. Um, they did not want our election process to be like the election process in other countries. And some of the people who were, you know, writing the constitution wanted just Congress to vote and decide on president. Whereas other people were like, Hey, democracy, let's go. Um, it should be a hundred percent the people voting, but like no one would consign and no one would give in. So they had to come up with a middle ground and that's where they came up with the electoral college. And so the electoral college is comprised of electors, electors in the electoral college, who would have thought? And the electors are based on the representatives of the house and the Senate. So right now in the electoral college, we have 538 people total. So the amount of representatives depends on the population of your state. And this amount of representatives, electors, is based on the population determined by the census. So, you know, 2020, fill out that census people as well. Um, and so the people who are electors cannot be any elected officials. So your electors in the electoral college for your state. There's no senators, there's no um, congressmen, no mayors, nothing like that. These are separate and separate people, separate electors. And so, you know, the District of Columbia was allowed three votes via the 23rd Amendment in 1961. So all of the states have electors and the District of Columbia has three. So as I said, you know, um, the electors, there's no senators, there's no congressmen. How do we choose who the electors are? Um, we, we don't. <laughs> the political party is actually in charge of deciding who the electors will be for their specific state. So, you know, the electors, they meet up, they chat at the state house. Um, Democrats meet with Democrats, Republicans with Republicans. But the entirety of the electors across the entire United States, they never meet. In, in, in its entirety. So like the electors of New Hampshire aren't going and meeting with the electors of Texas. It's on a state by state basis. The state um, electors for New Hampshire meet with the other New Hampshire electors in the state house. You know what I mean? Um, which is kind of bizarre to think about, but whatever. Um, and the list of electors is available if you want to see it. Um, I'm not sure how many people actually do this, but I would love to see the names of the electors. I mean, I feel like that's kind of an honor to be an elector for your city. Uh, 
not for your city, for your state. But I feel like it is kind of an honor. Um, And in some states, the names of the electors are actually present on the ballot. So it would say, you know, Joe Biden is the Democratic candidate. And here are the the um, Democratic electors for your state. And it would have them listed below his name. I've never seen that in New Hampshire or Massachusetts, which are the two states that I have voted in. But you know, maybe, you know, in your state, that happens. But I feel like this year I'm going to, like, seek out who the electors are in Massachusetts. I just want to see them, you know, maybe find them on Instagram. Tell them, hey, thanks for being an elector. You're awesome. Amazing. Okay, long, awkward pauses because that's who I am as a person. But here we go. So election. We got the Electoral College Street. We know what it takes to get on the ballot. Here, here we go. We have the election. It happens on the um, Tuesday after the first Monday in November. So the election can never technically happen on November 1st because it has to be a Tuesday after a Monday that's in November. So this year, it's November 3rd. November 3rd. November 3rd. Register to vote. Re- November 3rd. Um, and so, you know... When you cast your vote in this election, in the general election on November 3rd, you are casting your vote for the elector. Yes, that's right. You might be casting your vote for whoever. I'm not going to tell you to vote for, who to vote for. But you are not technically voting for that candidate. You are voting for the elector. And so every state, again, receives the same number of electors as the, as the members that they have in Congress. So, you know, it, for Senate, um, every state has two members of Senate. For the House of Representatives, the number is based on the state's population. And again, Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, does have three electors. And so when you cast your vote in that general election on November 3rd, your vote informs the elector on how your state wants to vote. A state by And a state-by-state state tally occurs. And then the elector submits their vote for the candidate based on all the popular votes from their state. And so based on that um, based on that popular vote, the elector then submits their vote for the candidate based on that popular vote. So all of the states are winner takes all, aka electors will all vote for the popular vote winner in their state. So example, I know that this is confusing. So this means if Massachusetts' popular vote goes to the Democratic candidate, then Joe and Kamala will get all of 11 of Massachusetts' elector votes. And this is the part of the Electoral College that people don't like. People do not like this. So think about it. If 52% of the state votes for one person, then you know, that one person who gets that 52%, they get all of the elector votes. So that's why people are, you know, a little apprehensive about this, this electoral college system. So, I mean, it's an interesting way to think about it for sure. So winner takes all, um, the winner takes all in every state except Maine and Nebraska. So Maine and Nebraska are the only two states in the United States that are separated into districts. And so, you know, different districts have different electors, and those electors can decide whether they want to go Democratic or Republican. The whole state doesn't have to go one way. But in the past, um, both Maine and Nebraska have just gone with a winner-takes-all 
have gone with the winner-takes-all approach, except in 2016, Maine actually split votes in 2016. So in order for a president to win the election, so we talked about how there's 538 electors total across the United States, a technical win by the president requires 270 votes from the Electoral College. And so if neither candidate... And, you know, I say neither candidate because, you know, traditionally it's the Democratic nominee and the Republican nominee. But some in some cases, Libertarian or Green Party uh, candidates have received electoral college votes. But that is a little bit more rare. But if neither candidate actually receives 270 votes, the House of Representatives vote and choose the president. (laughs) So... Technically, on election night, we're just getting a projected winner. Um, the electors don't cast their vote until mid-December, but, you know, we really don't see anything change between election day and December, so we just, you know, say that the projected winner is the winner. Um, but technically, you know, popular vote happens in November. The elector, the electors um, get the notification of what their state wants to do. The electors cast their vote in mid-December, and then technically that president is elected, I'm doing little air quotes, in in mid-December. Okay, so how do we feel about the Electoral College? If I was in class, I would make all of my students give me the thumbs up to make sure that they understand. Um, but, all right. So, the president has to win the Electoral College vote. It does not matter if they win the popular vote i.e. the election in 2016, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but Trumpy Trump won the Electoral College vote, so he was voted in as president. Um, And the winner of the popular vote is not necessarily president, which is a very big point of contention among everyone in the U.S., and that's why people are mad at it these days. And this is why people are starting to argue, you know, does my vote really count? You know, if if I'm voting for the electors, the, it's the electors and everyone else in the state, um, you know, all together we decide who we're voting for, which is technically true. But your vote still counts and everybody should vote because you need to vote to let the electors in your state know how you want their electoral college votes to go, who those electoral college votes should go towards. So overall, please still vote. I know that, you know, it, it, the electoral the process of the electoral college sounds frustrating, but I still think that it's extremely extremely important to vote to let those electors know what's up. And so people have wanted to change the electoral college for forever, but this is not an easy process. So as I stated before, you know, the electoral college um, was set forth by the Constitution. And so in order to change that, we would have to amend the Constitution of the United States. And that is a big deal. Um, The last time that there was any sort of amendment to the Constitution was in 1992, and it had something to do with how Congress members get paid. So like, I don't know. I don't I obviously don't know anything about that. But I feel like amending, you know, something as significant as the electoral college is a big is a big deal and that's why it hasn't been done. I mean, this change obviously still can happen. Um and you know, if you're really passionate about this and if you're like, "Wow, this electoral college thing sounds messed up and crazy. I we need to change this." I definitely recommend contacting your local government and representatives to let you know your opinion on this because, you know, all of our opinions matter and contacting local government 
government is um, a great way to, um, you know, let your opinion be known. So the problem is in order for something um, to be amended, you know, a lot of a lot of um, people need to be on board. Um, a constitutional amendment requires a two-thirds majority vote in Congress. Two-thirds. That's a lot of people. So not only does two-thirds of the of the Congress have to agree to the change, but it also has to be ratified by three-fourths of the states. So 38 out of 50 states, the representatives from 38 out of 50 states would have to agree with the amendment in order for it to go to go further. And this is why the um, no amendments to the Electoral College have been made. So the smaller states, actually, the smaller states, the more rural states. So I'm talking about the Midwest, Wyoming, the Dakotas, all of those states, they favor the Electoral College because it allows for those smaller states and those less populous states to feel like they have a voice in the election, that their opinions matter. And it's not just, you know, the coast. It's not just California, New York. Massachusetts, um, all of us that uh, that matter. You know, the Electoral College allows for, you know, representation for all people across our country. So the closest that anyone has ever got um, to amending the Electoral College actually happened in the late 1960s. I had no idea that this ever happened. Um, but there was a proposed, I'm going to botch the pronunciation, because I botched the pronunciation of like normal words that I say 50,000 times a day. But the Bay, B-A-Y-H, Seller Amendment, B-A-Y-H-Seller, like wine seller. <laughs> so the Bay Seller Amendment um, of the late 1960s, it was proposed in 1969 because people were mad that Nixon won over Hubert Humphrey. So when Nixon won um, in the late 60s, he won by 20% of the Electoral College votes, but those that 20% of the Electoral College votes only equated to 1% of the popular vote. So people are like, what the heck? Like, this guy only technically won by 1%, but it seems like he won in a freaking landslide because he he got 50, I think he got like 55% of the Electoral College votes in um in comparison to Hubert Humphrey's 35%. But when you looked at the popular vote, it was only a difference of 1%. So people are like, what the heck? Democracy, popular vote, electoral college, what the heck? I don't know. I'm just saying a bunch of words right now. So these people with this Bay Seller Amendment, they were like, hey, what if the candidate who won the most amount of votes overall wins the election? But let's make sure that the person who gets the most amount of votes wins by at least 40 percent of the of the popular vote. So it's not like a ton of randos are getting votes and then the person who gets two percent as opposed to everyone else who gets one percent wins the presidential election. No, the person who wins the presidential election um, actually has to win at least 40 percent of the popular vote. I mean, I'm not a politician, but I mean, it sounds that sounds pretty good. Sounds like a good amendment. I, if I was, you know, alive in 1969 or 1970 when this was put together, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds like a good plan, Bay Seller Amendment. I like it. And, you know, the, I think other people liked it. This was the only amendment that got very far um, through the system. But it was, again, stopped because it didn't receive that two-thirds vote from Congress. So, um, 
when you know it was filibustered i mean i know what filibuster is just from parks and recreation i wish i could explain that to you maybe that'll be in another episode what a filibuster is but you know that amendment got filibustered it got taken off the docket and it was kind of put to rest because it could not get that two-thirds vote from congress and then we just went back to the electoral college not that we ever left the Electoral College, but you know you know what I mean. Um, and, you know, this Bay Seller Amendment has not been brought up again since 1971. In most recent years, Barbara Boxer um, from California actually proposed a direct popular vote only alternative after Trump's election. I think she proposed it on like November 15, 2016, which was like a few days after Trump was elected. But it never really gained any steam, unfortunately. So here we are, 2020, Electoral College, no proposed amendments in place. So, you know, people talking about amendments, people are talking crap about the electoral all the time. Why do we still use it? Why is it still supported? Um, the beginning and end of it is that, again, it's for the smaller states. It's for the smaller states, the less populous states to feel like they um, have a say um, because the Electoral College gives them some pull and makes those running for office pay attention to all those states. Because, you know, if it was popular vote only, if there was no Electoral College vote, all of these candidates would be focused on California, New York, Florida, Texas. They wouldn't even think about stopping in Nebraska for, you know, to do a political speech because they wouldn't reach as many people there. They would want to go to the more populous parts of the country to get the pull of those people. And so, you know, with the Electoral College, all of those people in those small states also, they have electors and, and those votes count. Um, and so it's important for those small states to feel like they have a say in the election and that they are an important part of our country and our election process. And I, and I agree with that. You know, the rural states wouldn't have, no, have any poll. I mean, Let's think about this, though. Smaller states do technically receive more votes per capita. So um, I saw this one statistic. So Wyoming actually has one electoral college vote for every 192,000 people, whereas Florida has one electoral college vote per 740,000 people. That's kind of like, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. But again, we need Wyoming people represented. Your vote counts. Florida people, your vote counts. Everyone's votes count. So again, everyone having equal say is a big reason that the Electoral College is still is still in play. Also, it's a lot easier to declare a winner. Um, and the Electoral College you know, technically makes for a simpler voting system. Um, and so the popular vote could be tedious. So what if the popular vote is very, very close? We would have to recount every single vote in the nation. Yikes. Yikes. Um, and with the Electoral College, that need, that eliminates the need for recounting all of the votes. So, I mean, there have been recounts before, of course, but it's on a state-by-state -state basis now. So a state can declare a recount to determine which, where their elector votes go, um, but we don't have to recount the entire election of the entire, every single vote in the United States. It's just on a state-by-state -state basis. And you know, the last reason that people are still all about the Electoral College, it's preservation of the start of our, of our country. So our, our founding fathers emphasized, you know, our two-party system. And so we, they want to keep 
they want to keep that in America, I guess. Um, and people think that if we just go to a straight up popular vote from the electoral college vote, a bunch more people will try to run and then, you know, we'll have more political parties than just Democrats and Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party people, that people are going to start, you know, not that they haven't already making their own political parties and trying to run for president. But I think it's, you know, that people are keeping the Electoral College because it does keep it a little bit more stable and, you know, a little bit more traditional with the with the Democrats and the Republicans and everything like that. All right. So there's a short there. That's a short story. I, it was a long story for me. I worked an overnight shift last night, so I'm kind of you know I don't even know how long I've been talking. But um, the elector, the election, the electoral college, so much more complicated than when I remember learning about this in school. When did I learn about this? Like third grade, fourth grade, somewhere around there. But you know, again, the too long didn't read version is the electoral college still exists because it's too hard to overturn it. Um, I honestly barely remembered any of this stuff, but I feel like this was an amazing refresher for me. So even if no one listens to this podcast, at least, you know, I refresh my own brain on what the electoral college is and I understand what's going to be happening in November. Um, but you know, do you think this system is crazy? Does it make sense? Should we get amendments? I don't know. So um, I got a lot of this information from a bunch of different websites, including USA.gov, um, the History Channel, History.com, and from Harvard Magazine. I will post all of those links on my website once I get it up, once I can figure out how to get it up, because everybody receives credit. I didn't, you know, obviously I didn't know any of this stuff. I had to look it up places, but um, I want you guys to have an opportunity to look at all of those articles that I looked at. So... My people, did you learn something new today? I sure hope so. I'll see you next time. 